Well, good morning. My name is Kevin Cho. I am the church administrator and one of the pastors here at Evergreen SGV. Um, Pastor Kenny was actually supposed to be preaching today, uh, but he got sick this week. And so he called me uh, late in the week and asked if I could sub for him. And so uh, here I am. Um, But it is a a privilege and an honor to be able to share uh, with you from the word this morning. The scripture reading comes from the book of John, the book of John. So if you have uh, your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And if you're able, please uh, rise for the reading of God's Word. John 11, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. You join me in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, your word that is found in the Gospel of John. Lord, I thank you, um, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to study it. And Lord, I ask and I pray, Lord, that um, your spirit that is in uh, each of us would speak to us and would um, convict us and bring encouragement to us. Father, would everything that happens now bring you glory, praise, and honor. Thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Now, if you recall, we have been uh, studying verse by verse through uh, the Gospel of John. We've been in uh, the Gospel of John series for a few years now, and um, it has been a a little while since we were in John. And so, just as a refresher, uh, I'll just give a quick recap and overview of where uh, we find ourselves. So Jesus is about to finish um, his, his, full, his public ministry. And so uh, the first 11 chapters of the Gospel of John cover the bulk of, of that public ministry. We're right on the edge of the triumphal entry in chapter 12, where Jesus is welcomed into Jerusalem as the Messiah, which the Jews were hoping for. And it marks the last week before Jesus is put to death on the cross. 
Now, immediately preceding this chapter, in chapter 10, the religious leaders were becoming increasingly hostile towards Jesus. If you remember, Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication and was teaching in the temple. And as he was teaching, those listening were not pleased with what he was saying, and they accused him of blasphemy. In verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 31, it says, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Verse 39 says, again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. And so we see here that at the end of chapter 10, Jesus is escaping because his time, uh, it was not time yet for him to go to the cross. And so he escaped from Jerusalem, which is in Judea. He went north and east, crossed over uh, the Jordan River to get away from the religious leaders and the Jews in Jerusalem. And so that now brings us to chapter 11. And so we see in chapter 11 that this is the seventh of seven miracles that the Gospel of John describes. This is also the most powerful of the seven. And while it may be easy to focus on the miracle, a better way to describe these seven are miraculous signs. If you remember, the point of the Gospel of John is found in John 20, verse 30 and 31, which says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So you have all the signs and miracles that Jesus did. John picked the seven that would cause the people to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. These seven are part of the narrative that direct us to Jesus. The point is not the sign. The point is to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. If we focus solely on the sign, we miss the point of the sign, but more than, more than that, and more importantly than that, we miss Jesus. It would be like this, okay? Let's say that you're driving southbound on the five freeway, okay? You cross over the county line into Orange County, and you get to Harbor Boulevard, you exit there, you make a right, and so you're heading west in Harbor. And then as you're driving, you see um, on the right side uh, the sign that says the Disneyland Resort. And so uh, you park and you go and you walk and you see the sign and, um, and you stop there and you pause, okay? And yes, this sign that says the Disneyland Resort, it is, a, um, it is something to, I guess, marvel at, the engineering that is required, right? You have to have structural engineering to make sure that the foundation is deep enough and strong enough so the sign doesn't fall over in the wind. The electrical guys have to get in there to, to make sure the wiring's right so it lights up. You have cleaning and painting and, you know, there's all sorts of things that goes into the sign. But if you just stop and you look at this sign, the Disneyland Resort, and you say, wow, what a great sign, and then turn and leave and go back home, you've kind of missed the whole point of the sign, right? The point of the sign is not to have you stop and, and sit, stand there and, and view that as the main attraction. No, the point of the sign is to continue, continue to Disneyland. That's where you want to go. That's the main event. That's what the sign is pointing to. And in the same way, the seven miraculous signs that are found in the Gospel of John. Okay, Jesus turning water into wine, healing the official's son, heal, the healing at the pool of Bethesda, 
the feeding of the 5,000, walking on wa- Jesus walking on water, the healing of the man born blind, and raising Lazarus from the dead. These seven miraculous signs are just that. They're only signs. Their intent is to point us to God and reveal his glory. So let's look now at John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So chapter 11 begins with an introduction to the major characters and and the setting. And if you can believe it, this is the first time that this family is mentioned in the Gospel of John. And we aren't given too much background, we aren't given too much explanation into who they are other than uh, they're important to Jesus. And we know that because in verse two, um, it's meant, what happens in verse two isn't even mentioned yet in the narrative. But John uses this description of Mary because it shows how much love Mary has for Jesus. John uh, uses this kind of almost as a foreshadowing of of things to come. So that's who the story's about. The where is Bethany, the city of Bethany, all right? And the city of Bethany is located just about two miles from Jerusalem. And so if you remember from chapter 10, right, Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Day dedication. He was teaching at the temple, and then he had to make an escape because the Jews wanted to, um, to stone him. And so Bethany, two miles from Jerusalem, that's the, the point where the danger is the highest, where anger against Jesus is the highest. And so that's where, um, that's where Lazarus is ill. Let's continue on, verse three. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Again, we see here the love that is shared among Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The sister sent word to Jesus saying, he whom you love is ill. They could have said it any number of ways if they had a different type of relationship with Jesus. They could have said, you know, uh, Jesus, my, my brother is, is sick, you know, please come. If they didn't have a close relationship to him, maybe they could have appealed to him as a teacher and a rabbi and said, uh, you know, Jesus, oh great teacher, will you come and and heal our, our brother? Please show mercy on us. Please come visit us. But no, they said, he whom you love is ill. This shows again the love that this family and Jesus had for one another. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus puts this illness in perspective. He said it's not mainly about life or death, but rather it's about God and God's glory. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's so in, in verse six at the beginning, it's, it's almost like a therefore. Okay, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Now again, John mentions the love that Jesus had for his family. But this love is not like the love that you or I would expect. You know, if this were the love that, that we would expect, um, we would expect Jesus, we would expect it to say, Jesus loved Martha and his sisters and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, he went with haste to heal Lazarus. Or Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus spoke and immediately in the town of Bethany, Lazarus was healed. That's what we would expect. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, therefore, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus waited. Jesus knew that this delay would mean that Lazarus would die. Jesus knew that Mary and Martha would have to go through the pain and the sadness and the sorrow of losing their brother. Jesus knew that the entire community would gather together to, to mourn Lazarus' passing. And yet, Jesus stayed two days longer in the place where he was because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus because this illness was for the glory of God. Verse seven, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The disciples understood that there was danger in Bethany. There was danger in Jerusalem. They had just run away from there and escaped only to go back to where the danger was. In the days before, uh, there were accurate timepieces, okay? Back in when, in Jesus' time, there weren't you know, iPhones and Apple Watches and, and all that to be able to tell what time it was. Um, and so to both the Romans and the Jews, they divided the daylight period into 12 hours. And so uh, the hours, though, would vary depending on the length of the day. Obviously, in the winter time, the hours would be shorter because the days are shorter. In the summer, the hours would be longer because the days were longer. And so the 12 hours in the day is used to symbolize the duration of Jesus' earthly ministry as allotted by the Father. Just as no one can lengthen or shorten a day, so the disciples' concern for Jesus could not extend the time that Jesus had here on earth, nor could the Jews' hostility shorten it. Jesus understood this. He knew that the Father had ordained a certain amount of time for him. And so uh, he knew that as long as he was doing the will of the Father, he was going to be okay. Let's go on to verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, 
said to his fellow disciples, let us go, let us also go that we may die with him. So that verse Jesus uses sleep as a uh, euphemism for death. And this occurs a number of times in the New Testament. In Acts chapter seven, it recounts the, the story of Stephen, the first martyr, when, when Stephen was put to death for being a follower of Jesus. Um, Acts seven verses 59 and 60 say, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. First Thessalonians 4 verses 13 and 14 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. First Corinthians also, uh, like First Thessalonians, talks about the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep. The disciples, however, uh, don't make that connection. They don't get it. They think that Jesus uh, means that, G that Lazarus just needs to rest and will get better on his own. It's kind of like when you have the flu or a cold, um, you know, your body is saying, I just, need, I just need rest. And the quickest way to get better is usually just sleeping and allowing uh, your body's natural uh, defenses to fight off whatever infection or bacteria or virus uh, you have. And so um, finally Jesus reveals his, uh, the plan to the disciples. Lazarus is dead. And when Jesus said he was glad he was not there, Jesus did not rejoice in the death of his dear friend. No, his point was that Lazarus' resurrection from the dead would do far more to strengthen the disciples' faith than a healing alone would have done. And this has happened so that they might believe. And so as they're about to depart, Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when we hear Thomas the disciple, many of us think of doubting Thomas. Right? In John 20, verse 25, it says, Thomas is, is saying this after um, you know, many of the disciples have seen Jesus um, having been resurrected, they see him alive. Thomas says, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and I place my finger into the mark of the nails, and I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And so Thomas kind of gets uh, a bad kind of rap for, for having this unbelief. However, there was much more to him as his words here reflect the love and devotion and courage, even in spite of his pessimism. You know, his negativity led him to believe that they would die if they went to Jerusalem with Jesus. On the other hand, his love for Jesus was so strong that he was willing to die with him. And so when you look at, at this whole story, at least up to this point, Mary and Martha have, have no idea what is happening. All they know is, is that Lazarus is deathly ill and they've sent word for Jesus to come. We'll see later that they are confident that if Jesus there, was there, he would have healed Lazarus. They don't see Jesus' response. 
They don't, they don't hear Jesus say that this illness does not lead to death, but to God's glory. Mary and Martha have to go through the experience of having a loved one die. Lazarus goes through the experience of dying. But even still, they are never outside of the love of Jesus and the love of God. Jesus shows this love by putting himself in danger, by going to Judea, the place where the people wanted to stone him and arrest him, because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Love let Lazarus die so that in death they would see and know the glory of God. And so the question is, how is God glorified? God is glorified as he is revealed. God is glorified as he is revealed. When we see God's great love, when we see God's great mercy, we see his revealing and we see his glory and we in turn glorify him more. Through this death, through Lazarus' death, God revealed himself more as he showed his power and thus received glory. And so the message uh, to us is to believe that God's love to us in and of itself is complete. Maybe our circumstances don't make sense to us. Maybe our trials don't make sense to us. But it's not up to us to figure out what God is doing. In our lives, we go through suffering. Maybe an aging parent gets Alzheimer's and starts to forget who we are. Maybe we face a debilitating disease. Maybe there's an accident or an injury that affects our quality of life. Maybe a dear family member or a close friend dies. In our lives, we go through suffering and we don't necessarily know the Lord's purposes. But what do we do? We must simply trust that God loves us. And because of that love, he will give us what we need most. And what we may need most may not be an end to the suffering. It may not be quick and immediate healing. It may not be the easy way out. But what we need most is to marvel in the glory of God. God often allows pain and suffering, pain and loss in the lives of his beloved. The hardships in our lives are there to reveal himself to us and reveal his glory so that we might believe. And we have this full expression of that love. Jesus died for us. He humbled himself to the point of death. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The full expression of that love is Jesus dying on the cross to take the consequences of sin so that we, by believing and confessing, might have life, life now and life eternal. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 10, 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The full expression of the love of the Father is sending the Son to die on the cross to take the consequences of sin. Jesus' love, however, does not stop there. Jesus' love is what allows us to persevere through trials. Jesus' love is part of the grace that God grants us. Jesus' love is part of God's mercies, which are new every morning. As followers of, of the one true God, we are not promised an easy life. We are not promised that when we confess faith in Jesus, that everything will be smooth sailing. In fact, oftentimes, the opposite is true. The Lord allows us to go through difficult circumstances and situations. The Lord allows us to go through pain and suffering so that he can show his love for us, so that he will be glorified in us. Like Mary and Martha, we may not know why we, may, why we go through difficult times, but our hope is in the Lord that his love for us does not leave us where we are, but puts us in a position and in a place where we may see and experience his glory so that we may believe. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that... Um, God, that you are for us and not against us. God, that when trials come our way, when there is pain and suffering in our life, in the lives of those around us, your love is a constant. You don't withhold because you love us. You allow us to go through trials because you love us. You don't abandon us. You don't forsake us. Father, may we feel and experience and know that love. God, so that you would be honored, so that you would be glorified, so that we might believe in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.